Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening. And last time we talked about zones in permaculture and we started to kind of um, get a bit of an understanding of what zones are and you had some training homework to be drawing some maps of your yard and start marking where the light and shade are at different times of the day and throughout the different seasons. So I just want to remind you that permaculture is it's more of an endurance race, right? It's not a sprint. All of this upfront research and design and redesign and sketching and things that we're going to be doing is going to help you to create a plan that's going to flourish once you start to put it into place in your yard. you got to go slow to be able to speed up and that's one of the things that can be quite frustrating for permaculture especially if you're somebody who is very action orientated and you just want to get it done like I get it trust me I get it I'm very much that person um but this is why this is kind of one of those things where if you're doing like a lot of design and planning type of activities winter's a good time to be able to be doing that and you know even if we're not going to be able to put in all of the plans and things that you're wanting to do within you know the the next season coming up which you know things happen right like we I mean we definitely had different ideas of what we wanted to get done on the first year of our homestead other things came up but again this is like it's it's an endurance thing right you want to be taking your time right we don't want to go all out full throttle at the very beginning and then we don't have any energy towards the the end of the project so this is where you know we're kind of in just because it's it's winter certainly here in new england anyway and um, we've had snow and things show up already and more snow coming um but this is a good time for us to sort of reflect on how things have been working in the year right how um you know existing things that are in our garden maybe it's trees that we've got maybe it's fencing maybe you know we've got um some existing plantings that have already been in place like what's working well what's taking over and you know what things are we needing to change so winter's just kind of a reflective time anyway um and i find that kind of looking at permaculture things and how we can start to implement some of those activities can help influence some of the other projects that we've got coming down the pipeline so if you have your map um from last week where you started to mark out what your existing zones are um then i want you to think about what some of your end goals were that you wrote down from the first training for permaculture because your zones are really the distance from the center and that's where your home is in zones zone zero and as we start to add things into your design like elements or components as they're called in the permaculture and design world your zoning might change like you might have a zone one area that's at the bottom of your yard because this is the place you visit every day to feed and give water and cuddles to the family's pet rabbit for example or maybe that's where the chicken coop is right and there's going to be some differences between every single backyard and every single home, right? Even if you've, you know, got a, a house that looks like all of the others on your street, the things that you're going to be designing and creating in your back 
garden are going to be very different from your neighbors for example just because of how you and your family interact with that space so i want you to go back and take a look at those goals that you wrote down right what is it that you wanting um for your homestead right maybe it's to have chickens or maybe you're wanting an orchard how often would you need to visit those things and which zone do you think they would be in because in the zoning right the zones that are closer to um the house so you know those are things that are right up close there are the lower numbers right so zone one is right outside of your back door normally but it's things that need to be visited on a regular basis as well so if you've got livestock or you know animals and things that you know you need to tend to them every day you can't you know just kind of let them go off and you know do things on their own right you need to be visiting them every day so your zone one isn't necessarily going to be you know a concentric circle like donuts getting bigger right it's not going to look like that it might be these weird shapes that you're drawing on your map because these are the paths that you're walking down this is the area that you're visiting every day right maybe you're taking a walk every day in a different area right maybe you've got um you know a little space that you like to go sit down and meditate in or do yoga or whatever right your zone one areas are going to change your zone two areas are going to change not everybody has got you know large scale you know trees and things and you know forested areas on their property right so not everybody's going to be getting up to a zone five for example but a zone five might also be like a little area or pots or something you know containers that are being left with wildflowers in them for example so it's kind of all down to you know some ways of interpretation for how you are wanting to implement these permaculture principles into your yard but also know that you know these are just tools to be able to help understand how that land is being used how you and your family are using the land and what is going to make sense and be the most successful design when that information is translated into okay these are plants that are going to be wanted to plant and these are kind of the groupings and maybe this is where we want to put a shed or this is where we want to put a chicken coop or you know it, it kind of helps us think about some of the other interactions that are happening so we can execute the best strategy possible um to help our homestead grow so these are just tools right there might be a different way that you come to you know a design that works for you and that's okay right i always say there is many ways to grow your garden as there are gardeners on this planet right and just because this is kind of how you know other people within the permaculture space are doing it it's not necessarily like that cookie cutter right it's not one size fits all so let's kind of talk about some of these things because um you know let's say a main garden right often recommended to be right next to the house in zone one you know you read lots of different permaculture books if you're really wanting to dive into it and i i will be honest some of these books read like stereo instructions they're they're you know a little difficult to chew um 
but you know a lot of the time like even myself you know I've recommended having a garden close to the house especially if you're new right you can get out there every day you can visit your garden you can tend to it do some weeding you can check for pests every day you can harvest it when it's needed and all that good stuff not every home is going to be able to do that and I'll use my house as an example because right outside the back door is the septic tank and leach field I can't put a garden on top of that like it's it's not you know grass is pretty much all that can grow on there and you talk to anybody that does leach fields and septic systems and they will tell you don't put stuff on top of it because you're going to reduce the um longevity and and the life of that septic system that's there so they're an expensive thing to have to put in so you know you kind of want to be listening to that too there's also you know the other flip side of it is that it is dealing with waste items that are coming from your home and aside from you know the the obvious of you know it's coming from things from the toilet um you know people put things down the sinks all the time and it may or may not be okay for the septic system generally but it may or may not be okay for it to be you know going into something that's then getting consumed right I'm not necessarily talking about bacteria and things but you know chemicals and stuff like that too like not all household cleaners for example you know they've not been made to then be you know ending up into a waterway that's going to be feeding and providing nutrients and stuff for plants that you're growing so these are things that you kind of want to be thinking about and I know I'm not the only person that's necessarily got a, a septic tank in a leach field outside so you know there's, there's that aspect of it but also I mean I don't want my five dogs running into my veg garden to go to the bathroom either so for me my vegetable garden is further away it's quite far away actually part of that's due to the septic system that we have the dogs but also the slope of my backyard and because of how it slopes and the water moving I've actually got to put my garden further away so I know that there's minimal risk of you know contamination going into that garden so my zoning and design has to take into account some of these things and how I'm using the land and yours might do too. So I want you to take a look at your map and kind of think about, you know, where you might want to be putting some things. And for some people, like this is kind of like a cool arts and crafts kind of thing. Like when I was doing my permaculture um, design course, like the instructor had, I was like, you know we had like little circles with you know different things in there so there was like a chicken coop or a garden or you know there was like a an outdoor eating area and stuff like that and we kind of had to you know put things in different places on this this map um some other people were a bit more creative and they'd like had little you know things drawn out of felt so there was like a little felt shed or something that you could put up on the on the board and put it in different places but You know, it's being able to kind of pick things up and move them around on paper and seeing what's kind of going to work for the space that you have. So, you know, for example, um, you know, if you're on a slope, right, putting a pond at the top of the hill 
doesn't make a lot of sense. Putting it at the bottom of the hill where the water's already running might make more sense. So having, um, you know, if you're into arts and crafts and you want to spend some extra time kind of playing around with your design, like that kind of helps. Obviously now with computers, you know, we can do some of those things using, you know, some different software and things that are available. And it doesn't even need to be that fancy either. Um, you know, you could print something out and then use like um tracing paper or something on top of it to kind of help you have multiple layers of a design you can kind of see where you move things about like make the design process easy and what works for you i'm kind of a visual person i kind of like doing some tactile things especially when i'm working on my quilt right i am very much like i need to have you know the fabric together and you know maybe even making like a little mock-up of things you know to be able to see what's going to work best so do what works for you but i want you to take a look at the maps that you've done and i want you to take a look at the map that you made where you began to mark out the sectors on the map right so as a reminder those are things like you know where your prevailing winds are coming from like it's external factors that are impacting the area that you're looking at designing where does the water flow right is it running off your roof and then onto the patio does it pool in the middle of the lawn is there a bad view of your neighbor's property that you want to screen like where i lived in new jersey there was a junkyard or a metal recycling center thing like right behind me and it kind of sucked right when i was doing dishes or you know in the kitchen like all i ever saw was just like this crane and I mean, it was noisy anyway because of all the junk being moved around. But I, I remember thinking it was it was rented and I was like, oh, this was my own property. I would definitely want some trees there to kind of like screen that out. And I'd probably want some evergreen trees there to screen it out year round. <laughs> so you know, it's things like that, right? Is there stuff that is happening on your property already? And are there some things that you would want to preserve, right? Like where the water's running or are there some things that you want to kind of screen out and remove like a, a bad view, for example? Um, do you have animals coming onto the property? What sort of animals are those? Can you see where those are? And knowing these things and doing that sector analysis is going to help us use our design to leverage what is already going on, right? We want to use existing natural resources that are there. Um, so we want to be using the plants and animals to provide fertilizer or fuel or building materials we want to be using them and leveraging them for pest control weed control um, building soil recycling nutrients right composting as examples and plants and animals are providing a lot of resources in the ecosystem and this is called stacking and stacking can be as it relates to you know the functions that they're doing right so you have like one um you know one plant or one animal right what are those things that it's providing in that ecosystem right there's a common example of the permaculture chicken right of all the inputs that it needs and then all of the benefits that it's providing um but stacking can also be as it relates to height so you can have um a good example of this is talking about woodlands right so you've got a, a tall upper canopy tree so things like your pines or maple and oak right you know your timber 
providers. Then you've got smaller growing trees. So let's say they're like apples or pears. You've got fast growing smaller pioneer trees. So like Staghorn Sumac for me, might be Autumn Olive where you are. Um, you then have a lower level where you've got shrubs. So it could be uh, blueberries, currants, roses. Um, it could be um, those kind of shrubby plants that are not you know that there might be things that are more decorative or they're providing more green right they're providing lots of growth um rather than you know providing you know plants that you can eat for example um you then lower than the shrubs you have things like perennial plants there could be things like comfrey um is an example it could be ferns um could be whatever like lower level sort of shorter things growing you know maybe a foot and a half high and then lower than that you've got ground covers like I don't know strawberry or clover so you can stack plants according to the height and space that they're taking up we can also leverage time and stack for time and stacking functions together so like crop rotation and grazing are an example of this or having um, legumes like beans and peas growing with grains so we could use time, space and function stacking to accelerate this natural progression of growth in an area, which is always kind of what we're trying to aim for in permaculture, right? We're trying to design the area so that it gets to that permanent long-term state quicker, right? Because that's where we're going to start to see the most, you know, energy saving and stuff. Now, I know that sounds complicated, but a lot of things that we're already doing to accelerate this natural progression are things that we do kind of normally in the garden. So it might be things like cutting weeds before smothering them with cardboard to create mulch to create a new garden bed. Um, it might be using fencing to stop grazers like deer from getting in and damaging you know, trees that you've put in. It might be planting hazel or sun chokes as a windbreak in a northern spot in the garden where the prevailing winds are because if you can reduce that wind coming in guess what your plants can establish quicker um it might be that you're planting different plants together in like a polyculture setting so you maybe you're planting sorghum and broom corn with cowpeas maybe you're sowing oats and field beans together as a green manure in your vegetable garden Maybe you're just planting fruit trees near an existing tree in your yard and are leveraging the shelter that that existing tree is already providing, right? There's, there's lots of things that this can be, but understanding kind of how we can stack in time and space and function um, kind of gets um, our brains thinking a little bit differently into what plants we could be putting together, right? And there's some plants that I'm sure that you've already got in mind for your homestead, right? What are some of those things that you're wanting to grow in your space, right? Think about those and what are some of those um, functions that you're wanting that plant to do? And what are the functions that that plant is able to do, right? What are some of those main types that you're growing, right? Are you growing a lot of these nitrogen fixing plants right uh, do you have um plants that are more um you know long term like are you looking at growing walnuts for example you know is it something that's going to take a long time to provide a crop what else could you be growing whilst that is getting established to generate a crop or generate more out of that space 
you know there's other things that need a lot of monitoring like do you need to be out there checking on their growth quite a lot or is it something that's a a bit less intensive right like an orchard's a lot less intensive than you know a vegetable garden right because once you've got your trees planted you're just really waiting for them to get established before they start to provide fruit so pull this together and start thinking about how the plants help each other grow right like legumes so they provide nitrogen in the soil for other plants to grow so that's your bees peas, and peanuts fall into the legume category are the plants that you're wanting to grow tall like corn can you use them to provide trellis or support for another plant do they cover the ground like squashes or clover are they spiky and thorny like could they be a barrier for wildlife so start thinking about what some of these plants do and stacking is one of those exciting parts to permaculture design right what are all of the things that your plants could do but it's also one that can get the most overwhelming right it's it's somewhat easy to look at like a a shed right and think oh these are the functions that this shed is going to perform right you can um, leverage it for harvesting water when it rains off the roof you know it can be used to store things that you need to be kept nearby you could use it to have plants growing up it as a support for example um you could use it as an entertainment area right it just all depends right it's easy to kind of see that but when you start thinking about you know plants or animals and what benefits they bring and what they're able to provide it, it can get a little bit overwhelming and this is where starting small is really great so you don't get too overwhelmed plant guilds are often a small project that's recommended because they're easy to do in a small space um, they're easy to kind of design um, because you can narrow it down by what plants are able to grow in your area and what plants you would like to to have so one of the great things about permaculture is you know a lot of these kind of design ideas that are being leveraged in sort of a tropical area they can be applied to other climates just by switching out plants that are native or that thrive in those different areas so let's talk about uh, an often recommended example which is an apple tree growing with herbs um, and spring bulbs so the herbs might be garlic chives comfrey lavender and dill and spring bulbs i don't know let's go with daffodils i like daffodils um and you know you grow those around the outer drip line of the tree so that's like the outermost edges and then like if you were to draw a line from where those outermost branches are straight down to the ground that would be a drip line it's basically when it's raining like where's the water dripping to um so you've got those plants all growing around the outside and then inner towards the um, trunk of the tree you've got maybe i don't know clover growing for example as a um as a living mulch so the herbs provide seasoning they provide food or medicine as well as a habitat for beneficial insects right dill especially like lots of of beneficial insects like dill to be growing um so you know you're bringing in a method of pest control as well as providing you know you and your family with additional products there um the herbs also help pull up nutrients deeper in the soil and 
can provide a mulch, right? Like um, comfrey. So you, comfrey's got a long taproot that helps to aerate the soil. There's like taproots and things can um, help encourage different um, animals in the soil, like earthworms and stuff like that from coming into the space. Um, you can chop comfrey down a number of times throughout the season it will grow back up again you can use those leaves to help smother leaves and provide additional nutrients because that comfrey is pulling up those nutrients from deeper in the ground um clover is providing a nitrogen source it's fixing nitrogen in the air into the soil so it's providing a source of food for the plants growing nearby and the flowers are a source of food for many insects um the spring bulbs so daffodils they're providing an early nectar source for early insects but they also help to stop grass from encroaching in on an area so they're providing a barrier as well and obviously the tree is providing shelter as well as food for local pollinators when it is blossoming and food as fruit for us or maybe, you know, animals that you have on the property. So, you know, the plants that are in there, they're growing at different heights and different levels. Um, but you've got different benefits that are being stacked in there as well. So there's a lot going on in, you know, a relatively small area there. So that's why a, a, a guild is often recommended. And a permanent guild, like in this example, might not work for your yard. So how about designing a garden bed to leverage stacking instead, right? What are plants that are low growing? What's a tall growing plant? could you grow those things together like could you have you know taller cabbages and then you know lower growing spinach growing underneath right you're kind of stacking with height there um could you use thyme to grow a succession of plants in the same bed um where could you add habitat for beneficial insects how can you add in um improving the soil in that same bed right so I want you to kind of have a bit of homework this week and start drafting some designs with those important goals and functions in mind. So what is it that you wrote down at the first training about what are the things that I really want my permaculture homestead to do and to have? What are those key things that it needs to have? And start kind of, you know, just kind of sketching some ideas out of those important goals and functions, right? It might be just a garden bed, right? And it might be planning for next season. But you could be adding in some of these other permaculture thoughts in there. Like how how could you leverage, you know, a green manure or um, beneficial, you know, um, herbs or flowers in your current garden like how how can we start to leverage some of those things maybe you're doing something a bit more involved maybe you're designing a permaculture rabbit pen um or maybe you had an idea for a greenhouse chicken coop at some random late hour the other night like i did right sketch out some ideas and start listing some potential plants or potential functions that you're going to need to have from this think about how your plants are interacting with each other and you know if you're designing with animals how the animals are going to interact with those what are the benefits that that plant or animals providing think about how nutrients and water are going to be used in that design as well so share your ideas over in the facebook group if you're comfortable i'd love to see them especially if you also got the greenhouse chicken coop idea like i would love to see if somebody's got some 
ideas around that too that would be kind of cool but I know this is kind of slow for people and you know permaculture is one of those long-term things but there are smaller projects that we can do to leverage some of these skills and start practicing that we can then implement in the wider area of our permaculture homestead so i would love to hear from you let me know until next time i hope you have a wonderful week and i hope your garden grows beautifully